Welcome to the Shift Happens podcast, where we explore the latest trends and insights in the digital workplace. From the role of AI in the workplace to the future of remote work, we cover it all. Tune in as we chat with industry leaders and experts. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the digital landscape, we've got you covered. Subscribe to Shift Happens wherever you listen to podcasts and stay ahead of the curve. Very used to being in the office and working in that way. And we've had the occasional snow days where people work from home, but it's usually a one or two days and then you're back into your normal routine. This is an extended period of time where 50,000 plus employees have been all told to work from home. And so we cannot just work around sort of like how we did snow days. No, we have to work in this environment. Well, thank you for joining us back here at Shift Happens Podcast. My name is Dux Raymond Sai, Microsoft Regional Director, MVP. And today we're so excited to have Keshef with us. Um, why don't you introduce yourself and kind of give everyone a big picture of the organization you work with and the cool things you guys are doing? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Keshav Puraswamy. I'm a PM manager in the organization called Core Services Engineering and Operations, which is part of Microsoft. Uh, we we focus very much on how we're transforming the the company, Microsoft as a company, across the board. And the part that I'm focused on is uh, very much around the employee experience. So I spend a lot of time thinking about collaboration. Uh, how our employees engage with each other, how can we transform that experience that hopefully then translates to uh, an amazing experience and a set of stories that our customers can take advantage of. Awesome. So when you when you say core services engineering, for, for those that are not familiar, is this a part of internal IT as well or internal IT is a part of it? How How does the structure look like? Yeah, I would describe it as what is typically uh, IT in, in other companies. Um, we've we've taken a, a very deliberate shift from what we used to call Microsoft IT, and now we're calling it Core Services Engineering. Um, and it's a it's a, not just a shift in name; it's also a shift in approach. We want to be uh, more vision led. We we are partners with the rest of the company, and we're driving change. So it's it's also represented with the uh, the leader that we have who came in, Kurt Delbeni. Uh, who's really a member of the senior leadership team, and he's leading that change as well, not just uh, within our organization, but also making sure that the teams that we work on work with. As you know, Microsoft, we're very much using some of our technologies here at Microsoft, and we really want to drive that vision for what we believe is necessary from our products to drive the change that we aspire as a company. So this is really refreshing because traditionally, right, when we think about internal IT, it's always, you know, back of the room, very reactive. They don't get anything done for us. So I'm going to go out there and swipe my credit card and just get other stuff. But it seems like for what you're describing, it's when you say you're a partner, you're helping make decisions, you're helping providing guidance. And I think that's what a lot of organizations want to get to. And being that trailblazer and, and serving as that role model, do you, do you feel the pressure? Do you think of, you know, you make all these wonderful technologies and companies expect you to be contoso? <laughs> <laughs> and, and how do you balance all that? Yeah, you know, we're, we're like um, 
most of the companies in that respect, we know there's constant change and, and there's never a state of perfection. Uh, so we can always aspire to be as great as we can be. And, and I, we do take that responsibility very seriously. So we, we do want to model what we believe is the best way for companies. In, in our case, we're talking about seamless teamwork and collaboration. We want to model how we believe employees such as um, within Microsoft should really engage and connect using our tools. And so it's not so much, hey, let's take the products that we have and then just deploy it for Microsoft to go use. It's as much about driving guidance. What is our vision for how we want employees to engage? And then how do we really connect the dots and make that a seamless experience for our employees which we believe will translate to improvements in the products. Um, and it will also hopefully help our customers understand how they can embark on similar journeys or learn from us as well as we learn from them. You know, one, one really cool thing that I'm sure a lot of customers appreciate what you all do is you share your learnings, right? So I, I always look at the IT Showcase blog. And for those not familiar with it, we'll share the link. But essentially, you try new things it may work, it may not work, you know, having that growth mindset and you, you're quite open about it. Can, can you talk more about that process, especially on seamless teamwork, where we all know it's not just technology. There's the people side of things. There's change management. There's adoption. How do you think about that? And then based on what y'all have done and continue to do, how can customers start on that journey as well? Yeah, I think that's you hit at some of the core values that we have at Microsoft, and it's definitely been uh, highlighted um, with Satya at the helm around growth mindset and really embracing that, not just in how we work and think, but in what we do as well. How do we embrace that growth mindset? I think the best way for us to, to learn is to apply and experiment, as you said, within Microsoft and then share those learnings internally as well. So I think um, one of the things that we found, and I'm, I'm trying to think of a good experience, um, I'll, I'll take the Teams deployment as an ex example, the Skype to Teams one, which um, actually happened, I was only here for the last a few months of it. Um, so a lot of the work the team had led and driven before I even joined, but was a really interesting one because the Teams product had just gone GA. Um, we were trying to deploy it straight. Our goal was to get all 200,000 employees onto Teams, and they were all used to using Skype for Business. And we were trying to, we were figuring out how to scale Teams at that level. And I don't just mean technically. I mean uh, from a um, process perspective, from a change perspective, from and a lot of the the nuances of accessibility and so on while continuing to stay aggressive and getting to all the employees. So it re really required applying that growth mindset and experimentation where we would try in a small part of the company, quickly learn from that, turn it into new best practices that we stage to the next part of the, the organization. And being in, in this case, being very honest about um, what does success look like? Because our goal at the end of the day wasn't just to get everybody onto teams. The goal was to actually transform the employee experience as a result. If you got everyone onto Teams and they had a crappy experience, that's not success for us. Uh, so setting clear goals and metrics along the way and saying, 
hey, for this phase of the pilot, what does success look like? Measuring those, and if we're not meeting those goals, going back and saying, what do we need to do different? What does the product need to do different? Uh, and then iterating on that. Let's quickly dig deeper into that, right? At that time, I recall Teams, like you said, was pretty new. It was uh, obviously much, much more than what Skype for Business can do. Was the driver because that you all thought you've reached your limit at Skype for Business, that Teams can do more, hence we got to use or, or migrate to Teams so we can you know, improve productivity and, and, and get better ROI? Or, or was it because, well, we got to show the world that we built this thing and we can use it, we can use it well. What was the driver, if you may? For us in CSEO, our driver is um, about the employee experience. And we really believe that Teams transforms, has the opportunity to transform the employee experience. And it really aligns with how we're thinking about seamless teamwork. So yes, absolutely, we wanted to improve the call experience, the chat experience, all the things that Skype did. We absolutely had huge room, the meeting experience. And we believe that Teams as a platform and, and work happening in channels really fosters that sense of inclusion and collaboration, and it accelerates how quickly teams can make decisions and move forward, get aligned and move forward. And so, um, and in the way it allows us to automate um, different processes, the team-based workflows more and more, you know, we used to live in sort of a me-centric world where things would land in my inbox and then I would triage them and work through them. We're not living in that world. We work as a team. We all need to stay aligned, and we can't live in a world where somebody's reliant on me forwarding emails across to five other people for them to know. The information needs to be out there so that they can get it themselves and react quickly as a team. So bringing those team-based workflows into team, Teams allows us to do that, um, and we're really excited about that. And as you all rolled out Teams, you talked about you took some of the learnings and staged it to the next group or next business unit. Can you highlight some of those key learnings early on? And uh, perhaps based on that, your approach rolling it out in different parts of the organization changed? Yeah. So as I said, I was I came at the later stage of this rollout. So a lot of the work, hard work had already been done by the team and a lot of the learnings and iterations, some of the really painful um, kind of challenges that the team faced early on were already tackled um, early. But, you know, from what I can tell, kind of coming in towards the, the end game, I think we, we found that um, even though it seems like a simple replacement of there was Skype for Business, which is a, a tool, and we replace it with another tool that does similar things. Sounds simple enough, but the complexity that's actually involved in, in the change, in changing even little habits that um, people have, I think you know we underestimate how little things can have a pretty significant impact on on how people perceive it. So little UI things, the most recent one, and we pushed forward because we thought it was acceptable from our from our perspective, knowing that it was going to come, was the feature for teams to have a pop-out window. Oh, yeah, the chat. Yeah, and, and that was something you could do in Skype, um, but in Teams, it didn't have that. And we debated quite a bit about should we hold off 
sort of the deployment until that comes. And, and we came to the conclusion at the end that no, that we can still manage that change. We can we we can acknowledge that that's a gap we want to address, but we can move forward. But there are other instances, especially when it came to accessibility or other areas where we said, no, we cannot move forward until we can bring everyone on board. Everyone can use the tool the way we expect it. And, and absolutely, those are changes that need to have happen. And, and that's part of what you're talking about experience where you want to be inclusive. You want to make sure regardless of who you are, what devices you're using, what part of the world you are, uh, you're able to have that same experience with other colleagues at Microsoft. Yeah, absolutely. So fast forward to today, I assume the deployment's done. Everybody's fully on Teams, no more Skype for Business users. Almost. We're like 97% at last count. What's interesting, and this is the the uniqueness about of running, a, like being part of Microsoft, a, a global organization, um, we have some very unique requirements when we go into, whether it's India or the Middle East, where there's some unique voice um, requirements um, that are local regulations that we have to comply with. So we actually have to build out some modern voice infrastructure to support those unique regulations within those areas. So we're working through those, the final leg of that. We're really excited to, to see that come to completion um, in the next coming months. Those employees are currently are, are still side by side. So they all have access to Teams, but they also are using um, Skype for Business on the side. Um, but we want to get everyone to Teams only. So we're 97% Teams only. We'll be at 100% very soon. And I assume some of these learnings that you've gathered internally, you've fed it back to the product team, the Teams engineering team uh, as well, because I suspect the experience you all have would be similar for customers around the world. Absolutely. Our number one goal here is um, drive as much of it back into the product, whether it is Teams or whether, you know, in, in, in another example with SharePoint, with Move to Modern Portals, there's a lot of work that we did uh, around adding um, some areas where we felt were critical in order to move our own portals into modern. And so we actually built web parts into the, the product itself. So we sometimes do co-development with the product group. In other cases, we're just driving requirements and helping the product group prioritize this. Because as you said, in many cases, we're not unique. We're just hitting it first because we're going so aggressively. Uh, and the product group really values that partnership because, you know, for them, we, we they get to see it happen. They're, they have a real customer to um, to work with. And um, we're, we're not shy about sharing our opinions uh, to the product group. And it's a really kind of mutual partnership. So not only are we driving things to the product group, but I think many of our customers also realize it's not just the product. It's a lot of what, how do you do it around it? What are the tools, processes that you use to support that? And so a big part of our role is to share those stories. Here's how we did it. Um, and hopefully that gives some um, insights for our customers to, to leverage and, and learn from. And, and, uh, and uh, we love to always hear those stories from our customers as well. And I think, you know, in this time that we're we're facing, right? We have this uh, uh, unfortunate virus spreading around the world. A lot of companies are forced to work from home. But in the past couple of weeks, especially early in early Feb, I would say, I start seeing, for example, LinkedIn. I know a lot of people from Microsoft in Asia Pacific where they're sharing their stories. You talk about providing that experience to your your customer base, right? Your Microsoft colleagues, and they're sharing how they're still able to quickly pivot work from home using Teams 
jump on a call, do videos, get stuff done despite of all this. And I think by sharing those stories, other than the IT Showcase blog, which is great, and that's more personal. That's more realistic, right? Yeah. Well, they're able to do it because sometimes people would say, ah, oh, it's cultural, you know. Uh, in this part of the world, we all go to the office or we just do email. We don't, we don't do Teams. But then now – as you start seeing these stories and other companies or other people see, oh, we can do that too because we have Office 365 and we want more because we're seeing a lot of people asking, right? How do you do this? How, how can, can we include apps, et cetera? So, so it's really heartening to see that despite the, the situation we're in, technology can still facilitate and bridge uh, the gap. Hello, Shift Happens podcast listeners. I have an exciting offer for you. Join us for our in-person Shift Happens conference, October 10 to 11 in Washington, D.C. Registration is free. That's right, it's free. And you walk away with actionable strategies from industry leaders and peers to make Shift Happen in your digital workplace. Visit shifthappens.to to register today. We'll see you there. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, it is really unfortunate. Um, goes without saying. And here in Seattle, we're we're certainly experiencing it, uh, as as other parts uh, of the world are too. And what's interesting is, you know, for those that know Microsoft, especially here in Redmond, you know, we have a big campus, and everyone comes into the office, so we're very used to being in the office and working in that way. And we've had the occasional snow days where people work from home, but it's usually a one or two days and then you're back into your normal routine. This is an extended period of time where 50,000 plus employees have been all told to work from home. And so we cannot just work around sort of like how we did snow days. No, we have to work in this environment. And it's amazing all of the learnings that we as an, a collection of employees who are really living the working remote experience I know a lot of Microsoft employees do work remotely um, today, but a lot of people here in Redmond didn't live that on a daily basis. So living that experience, it's, it's amazing to see kind of the innovation that's happening amongst the employees. And a recent example is we had a big um, quarterly planning offsite uh, kind of scheduled already that we're like, okay, we can't stop quarterly planning. So we have to do it and we're going to do it in teams. And we're talking about almost a hundred people working in a highly collaborative way. The way we would normally do it is, you know, get a big room, lots of round tables, people brainstorming around whiteboards and all this stuff. And it was amazing. And this was, this happened pretty quickly. And so we had to pivot quickly to teams. And it was amazing to see, how everyone shifted very quickly into teams. They created channels. All the roundtables were different channels. They were working highly collaboratively. The co-authoring went uh, through the roof. You could see like the Excel files, everyone jumping in. OneNote and whiteboard. Oh yeah, it was it was amazing. And in some ways, it really embodies and if anything, accelerates our vision for how we see what we think of as seamless teamwork, because we've been talking about, hey, let's work in channels more. Let's really kind of engage more. Let's have video on. Let's um, work more collaboratively. Let's not wait to have a perfect document before we publish something. Let's co-author. And we used to talk about it, but now we're living it. And it's really fantastic. So what was the output? Was it, do you think it's, it's, it's as, I don't want to use the word as good, but it, it, is it 
what's expected, I guess, regardless if it's remote or everybody in the same conference room? You know, it's really interesting. There was a quick retro at the end of the day, and a common theme was how amazing the experience was. People had never done this type of thing before, and so they came in thinking, well, I don't know how this is going to work. So a couple of things, the engagement level throughout the day, this was like nine hours, you know, and people were on it throughout, which was staggering. Number one learning was take breaks. Don't just sit in your chair at home. And so we were kind of thinking about how we do this better in the future. But um, the level of engagement was high. I think one of the things, the whole thing was recorded. So in case somebody missed it, they can literally live the entire experience. And everything gets recorded in, in notes and in, in clear actions. So there isn't as much tribal knowledge anymore. So I, I think the general feeling is, wow, we got a lot more accomplished because of these things. You know, we didn't have a lot of post work to write up the notes because we were creating the notes. We weren't writing, like we were doing it in the Excel spreadsheet. We weren't doing it on That's a whiteboard. That's true. Because so we yeah, yeah, yeah. it over, yeah. And then transferring. That's right. And it's searchable too. Like even the video, right? I, I assume there's you know auto transcription on stream. That's right. People can just jump on. Wow. Now, how do you think about? Okay, so let's say this continues on, which is great. How do you think about on the other end? Not the coronavirus, but the, yeah. <laughs> the, the culture. The culture, shift. right? No, 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 not the virus, right? No, we don't want the virus to carry on. Um, but the culture shift, Karen, which is great. But how do you think about on the other end of the spectrum, keeping the balance, right? Making sure you're compliant, data is protected, uh, making sure you know retention policies, all that. Um, how do you think about? That? Yeah, you know, we we have to balance that. I, I think it's that kind of finding the right balance because, you know, Microsoft employees as our employees all over the world, pretty smart. And if you put a very big wall in front, then people are just going to circumvent it. It's just human, human behavior. And, and, um, and we know that can happen if, if the environment that we create, our tenant does not support the kind of collaboration that people need if you put too many hurdles. So some of the things we believe are critical, we, we believe in self-service. So we don't want to be a bottleneck to employees collaborating and getting work done. So any employee can go create a, a team, a, a site. Or, and, and so we fully empower everyone to do that. Um, and so we're we're still needing to make sure that that the the content that's getting shared. So first of all, we want to encourage everyone to share in the cloud so that not only is it a better experience, but we also have, it, it's more secure, it's more compliant. Um, so we, we have a couple of strategies to do that, including product features. We have this known folder moves um, where you just save your document into your My Documents, but it actually goes into your OneDrive in the cloud. And so it's backed up and it's accessible anywhere. Um, so we, we take a bunch of approaches like that. We also drive some policies around, hey, yeah, you've created all these groups and teams, but are you compliant? Or do you know what level of sharing? So we've, we've got these container labeling mechanisms. So employees identify, yeah, this is highly confidential or this is confidential. And we put in, put in place some policies that say, if, if it's highly confidential and you're sharing it to the entire company, um, well, maybe you might want to look at that again. Either your label is not actually 100% accurate or, or you need to reconsider. We still want to empower the employees, but we want to bring those to light so that there's very conscious decisions being made by employees. 
and I'm sure you're taking advantage of all the other technology stacks where, you know, AIP, uh, the auto classification capabilities, and uh, even at the endpoint level where you can look at at the device level too, if you wanted to, through Intune and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think this is, again, one of those partnerships where we work closely with, uh, with the IP um, parts of the organization that are working on improvements, compliance improvements into our product. And... Um, some of the things sometimes we, we lead with, we're like, we need to do these things, and then they become part of the product. The label labeling was an example of that. Wow. No, this, this has been a, a, an awesome, awesome conversation, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have gained a lot from it. And like I said, I'll share all the resources that Keshev talked about. Now, before I let you go, you know, I, I ask this to everybody uh, in this podcast. Looking back, can you recall a specific moment or memory that you believe was essential that kind of drove this shift happening at Microsoft internally? I mean, there's, there's a few moments. I go back a long time. Uh, I was in Microsoft for 20, 20 years, and then I left the company for two and a half, and I came back uh, in the last year and a half. So there's a few moments. The one that really sticks in my mind, <clears throat> I'd like to think is, boy, I remember the time when we released Windows Phone. And um, this was, I think, a moment for the company where we realized it, it, that, you know, we have to take a different approach. And, um, you know, shifting from the mindset of it's all Windows and it's, you know, all, all our users are going to come use our thing to, no, actually, you know what? People have choices. Everyone's going to use the things that make the most sense. And we need to work together with all of our partners. And not that we didn't partner, I'll, I'll say, but the, the real shift, I think Satya really accelerated that shift of being more inclusive and being part of that ecosystem. Uh, and, um, you know, sort of a rising tide lifts all boats. I think that shift, I thought, was, at least for me, it was a point in time I really remember vividly. And it's something that made me consciously shift how I thought about um, how we work at Microsoft. And then it goes full, comes full circle, right? The first thing you said, it, it's all about providing the best customer experience, which means that you have to be inclusive, which means you have to empower everybody and obviously externally, every organization in the world. Shift Happens Podcast is a production of AppPoint, Inc., produced and edited by the AppPoint brand team. Stay up to date on the latest trends in digital workplace transformation by visiting AppPoint.com.